Revelation chapter 18 and verse 2 and 3. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxuries. What is going on? About 18 months ago, we began a slide into a deep recession in this country fueled by the housing crisis and so forth. And unemployment has steadily risen. And it seems like what Washington has been doing may have slowed the problem, may have put a band-aid on the problem, but the problem is still very much with us. And the problem is that this recession could go even deeper. Does that concern you? Well, of course it does. We have been involved in a series of sermons entitled Biblical Financial Principles for Troubled Times. And we are indeed in troubled times. I believe because America has turned from God and has forsaken biblical financial principles, we are in the problems that we are facing today. And this morning, as part of this series, we're going to take up the subject, the financial future of our world. The Bible has something to say about the financial future of our world in prophecy. You know, we can look to Washington for predictions as to what's going to happen to the economy, but Washington hasn't always been accurate in their predictions. I believe the Bible is far more accurate as we're going to see as this message unfolds. Now, why is it that we need to <clears throat> study prophecy? Why is it that we need to study the particulars of the economy as predicted by prophecy? Well, there's a number of reasons. One is to be prepared. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.3, a prudent man foresees calamity and hides himself. In other words, sees what's coming and takes action. But the simple pass on and are punished. I'm going to show you this morning that the Bible does predict that at some point in the future there will indeed be economic crisis worldwide. Whether what we're seeing now is the beginning of it, we don't know. But we're going to see that prophecy helps us to be prepared for what may be coming. And then it, we ought to be hopeful as we study prophecy. Luke 21, 28 says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. As I share this message this morning, I hope that you will not be fearful, but rather that you will be hopeful that Jesus Christ is coming again very soon. And furthermore, this, these days are going to be opportunities to share Christ like never before. You know, Haggai 2.7 says, I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of nations. 
God says a time is coming when I'm going to shake the nations. There will be trouble. There will be crisis. And one positive outcome of that is that many will come to the desire of nations. Who's that? That's Jesus. Many will come to Jesus through these difficult days that the Bible talks about. And so this morning I want to share with you four prophecies about our economic future as a world. Now the first prophecy is this. There we go. A world economic system is coming. The Bible prophecy makes this very clear. Revelation chapter 18 that I just read to you says Babylon the Great is fallen. Now why does it say Babylon? Babylon fell a long time ago. Well, Babylon was the first world empire that the Bible talks about, and it became symbolic of the world organized against God. The Roman Empire was symbolically called Babylon at times. And it says that in the end of the days, there will indeed be a revival of a world empire, and yet God is going to judge it. It will fall. And it says the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. As all the political leaders unite together and as, and as the uh, business leaders unite together to, to bring about this new world order, uh, that, 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 this new uh, kingdom that is to come, notice there will be an impact upon the economy. A worldwide economy is indeed coming. This is also predicted in Revelation chapter 18. If you still have your Bible open, verses 11 to 14 describes a tremendous trade that's going to take place in the end times. And furthermore, verse 17 talks about how trade will, will, will take place between nations, largely by ship, every shipmaster. Who all who travel by ships, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, they're going to be distressed at the fall of this world economic system because they've made so much money on it. Indeed, we're there already. Uh, so much of our, our goods are transported by ship. If you go to Walmart uh, today or tomorrow and go shopping, I promise you over half of what you buy came on a slow boat from China or some other country. Uh, we're, we're already there. The Bible predicts that it is indeed coming. Why is this? Why is it that we're heading toward a world economic system? Well, even back in 1991, President Gorbachev uh, was one of the leading thinkers on the New World Order. And he said military security might be assured through economic interdependence that makes confrontation unprofitable. Political union and peace can be achieved through economic interdependence. And so the world is already working to bring about global peace through economic interdependence. And again, we're seeing this today. You know, China is a communist country. It's an atheistic country. By all rights, they are an enemy of the United States of America but yet we have become so economically interdependent with China that it would be bad on their part to attack us. They don't want to destroy us. 
We're one of their biggest customers. And so what Gorbachev said is already taking place and we're steadily moving in that direction. And also things that are bringing about this world economic system is, of course, the Internet, where businesses can place orders over the Internet, individuals can uh, buy and sell over the Internet uh, today. And then furthermore, the, the, the euro is the European common market already has a common currency, which is helping to move us in the direction of a world economic system. And we're moving toward a global currency. There's already a lot of talk about it. Up till now, the dollar has largely been the global currency. Everybody wants dollars. When I travel to Israel, to Jordan, to Egypt, get off the tourist bus and they'll take a dollar any day. Man, they, they want those dollars. Dollars, dollars. But as the United States is getting into financial trouble, the dollar is on the decline, the euro is on the increase, and I believe, according to the Word of God, that we're moving toward a global currency. And you know, the Bible says who's going to take the lead in this economic system, this global economic system. Uh, in verse 3, it says the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth. The political leaders, the business leaders are going to unite together to bring about this world economy that we're seeing uh, come about today. And what's going to happen? Why is there this union between political leaders and business leaders? Well, political leaders have learned the value of having business leaders on board, and business leaders have learned the value of lining up with the political leaders. Right now, there's a number of businesses that stand to make billions and billions of dollars if certain reforms take place in our country. That partnership is going to make them rich, and the Bible predicts that they will be enriched by their uniting together with the Antichrist who is to come. And we'll talk about him a little bit later. And again, the verse in Revelation 18 says, they will indeed become rich through the abundance of her luxury. That's talking about the kingdom of Babylon, symbolically called Babylon. And then also, notice, well, how is this going to all come to pass? How is it that the world is going to unite to bring together what is truly a global economy rather than just an international economy? Well, Revelation 18 verse 3 says, All the nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication. Now what happens when a person drinks a whole lot of wine? Well, they can get drunk. And what happens to people when they get drunk? Well, they, they, they lose their reason. They, they, they lose their sensibilities. Their, their judgment gets affected. They, they do foolish things. And the world is going to get drunk on the deception of the Antichrist and his leaders to bring about all that we're going to talk about this morning. And verse 23 says, By your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. The Antichrist and those that work with him are going to deceive the nations into following him to put together this new world order. 
this new world order of a global economy, of, of uniting the nations under one kingdom, it is indeed coming. But if the Bible warns of deception in the last days, then what are we to do? We are to give heed to what Jesus said. In a context of prophecy, he said, take heed that no one deceives you. They may deceive others, but Christians are not to be deceived by the false promises of political leaders and business leaders that are moving the world in this direction of following them blindly. We are not to be deceived. And so indeed, a, the Bible itself in Revelation 18 and elsewhere predicts that a world economy is coming. But something else I believe the Bible predicts is that a world financial crisis is coming. Where do we get this? Well, one place is Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. The prophecy of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And there we read that when the third horseman comes forth, a black horse comes and he, and he has a pair of scales in his hand and a voice was heard in the midst saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Well, a denarius was a silver coin, and a worker in John's day would work all day to earn one denarius. Well, it says you'll work a whole day. A common person will work a whole day just to be able to buy a quart of wheat. Folks, we're talking about a shortage. We're talking about hyperinflation. We're talking about an economic crisis that is predicted right there in Revelation chapter 6. Why? Why do I say that the Bible predicts that an economic crisis is coming? Because it paves the way for the Antichrist. The Antichrist is coming. He's going to bring about this new world order. He's going to start with the European Union. And he's not going to be content with ruling the European Union. He's going to branch out and eventually rule the whole world. Well, how is it that any dictator comes to power? Well, history tells us that in order for a dictator to rise to power, in order for people to give up their liberty to a dictator, it only comes through a crisis. And so I believe part of the crisis that will pave the way for the Antichrist will be an economic crisis as described in Revelation chapter 6. And again, we see this not only in Hitler's Germany, and by the way, Hitler arose during the worst economies that, that Germany uh, perhaps has experienced in the modern era. But... What are we hearing today? When a politician, be it the president or a senator or anybody else, wants to bring about major reform, what's the word they use? Crisis, crisis, crisis. We're hearing today about a health crisis. Well, we've got problems in the health care system. It's expensive, but is it a crisis? No, that's political talk to constantly refer to something as a crisis. 
Because until people believe there's a crisis, you can't make major changes. In fact, one of President Obama's advisors talked about the fact that uh, we can't let a good crisis go to waste. You've got to take advantage of the crisis to bring about the reform that you need. And so the Antichrist is going to come and say, we've got economic crisis, we've got war, terrorism, we've got global warming. These crises demand radical reform. And he is going to offer those reforms. You know, the United States, in my opinion, has not taken any real steps to deal with the economic crisis we're in right now. We all, only thing we're doing is postponing the crisis at best. We're doing nothing about the fact that our politicians have created billions and billions of entitlement spending that is only going to grow as a baby boomer's age with no plan whatsoever for dealing with how we're going to pay for it. In just 21 years, Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid is going to cost over $2 trillion a year, and our present budget is only about $4 tr trillion. And so you can imagine the crisis that is coming down the road if the United States does not take some real measures to address the crisis. So what should you do? The Bible warns, I believe, prophecy predicts that a crisis is coming that will lead the way to the rise of the Antichrist. We don't know if what's happening now is the early stages of that crisis. We may be talking 50 years from now. But if you see that we're plunging into a crisis, like the Bible predicts, what should you do? Well, the Bible says, Jesus said something that is very interesting. In Luke chapter 22, verse 35 to 37. Jesus reminds them of when He first sent them out on their mission trips. And they were to take no money bag, no knapsack, no extra sandals. They were just to trust God to provide in that, in that situation. And He asked them, did you lack anything when I sent you out like that? And they said, no. But now, He said, now this was right before He was going to be crucified, right before His disciples were about to face persecution by the Jewish authorities. Times had changed. And He said, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you, that this which is written must still be accomplished in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. You know what Jesus is saying? Prophecy is about to be fulfilled. Crisis is coming, and so now I want you to be prudent and go ahead and make some provision for the crisis that is just around the corner. What is the most controversial of what Jesus says is, he says if you don't have a sword, you sell your garment and buy one. Now, can you, can you imagine Jesus telling His people to buy swords? And you draw your own conclusions as to whether that has any relevance to us today. But, 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 but the Bible indeed, as it sees the future, it warns that an economic 
an economic crisis is coming. That uh, an economic world order is coming. But let me show you something else that the Bible prophecy predicts. World economic mandates are coming. Have you noticed something about government, how they love to uh, make mandates? Over the last several uh, decades, we've seen uh, government make more and more and more mandates. Mandates on state government, mandates on businesses, mandates even on individuals. Well, let me show you a mandate that is coming. Again, setting the stage, Revelation 13, 7, the Antichrist, somewhere down the road, is going to arise. He's going to gain control over every tribe and tongue and nation. Now, what is he going to do when he takes control? Well, he's going to make an economic mandate. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one has the mark. Here's a mandate for you. You can't buy or sell unless you receive the mark that will be required by his government. Indeed, this is going to be a mandate that you can't get around, a person cannot get around. Whether we're talking about the businessman who's trying to close a multi-billion dollar deal, or whether we're talking even perhaps about a child buying an ice cream from the corner store, you will not, a person will not be able to buy or sell unless they have that mark. I believe this will be just part of the economic reform that the Antichrist will uh, institute as part of the new world order. Well, why? Why would they mandate this kind of thing? That you can't buy or sell without that mark. Well, there's a number of reasons. One, collect more sales tax. If you can't buy or sell without the mark, then the government knows exactly what you're buying and selling, and they're, they're, they, they, can, they can collect uh, sales tax better. They will achieve greater political control. Now let me tell you what I know a secret that's not a secret much anymore. How to get control of the population is through economic control. Back in 1913, we passed the, the, uh, the 13th Amendment to the Constitution authorizing the um, government, the federal government, to collect income taxes from the citizens. So what do we do? The government collects income tax from the citizens of a state. And then the federal government says, we will give you money if you do what we tell you to do. And so they, they've learned to control the states through economic control. And the same thing is happening in other areas as well. Uh, all the legislation that the federal government is passing today is tied to economic control. If it were not for economic control, they could not 
control the states. They could not control what's going on. And then, uh, furthermore, it will reduce the underground economy. There's a lot of, uh, of the economy, drug deals and, and uh, even employers who, who pay their employees under the table and people have transactions cash only. Uh, again, it's hard to collect sales tax on those kinds of transactions. And so the, this mark of the beast will reduce the underground economy. And so what's going to happen? Well, according to prophecy, again, it will be required of everyone to have the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the, of, of the new world order on their hand or on their forehead. And uh, what is this mark about anyway? Uh, why is there a, a mark? Well, the word translated mark actually is based on the word for a sharp instrument. And a sharp instrument would be used in ancient times to, to make marks, uh, to uh, make tattoos and, and other marks. And so uh, the mark of the beast perhaps will be an, an indelible, uh, a permanent image on a person's hand or forehead containing uh, unique information and, and giving clear authorization to, to uh, participate in the world economy. And yet it may not be a mark in that sense of the word. We already have the technology to some degree to, to implant a microchip that could be read and contain a lot of information. I don't know if any of you have a pet where your pet has had a microchip implanted to where if the pet gets lost, they can take the pet to the vet, they can read the microchip and identify whose pet it is. And so the technology is coming. We're already on our way. And so it may even be that. Imagine also that all of your health care information is encoded in that microchip. That is indeed what the Bible is predicting is now becoming reality in terms of today's technology. And of course there's reasons for the mark according to the Word of God for identification. It would identify who you are and it would be hard to counterfeit that identification as a mark of allegiance or ownership to the Antichrist and the New World Order. Now the mark in the ancient times was used to brand animals. That mark on the animal says, that animal belongs to me. Well, I want you to know the devil wants to own you. The devil wants to control you. And the devil's man, the Antichrist, is going, like Hitler, is going to demand total allegiance. And your allegiance to the Antichrist and the New World Order will be that mark that many people will indeed accept. And of course, as I said, to achieve a cashless society. All transactions can take place based on the number that's in that mark of the beast. And so, uh, we're moving in that direction, more and more moving in the direction of the cashless society. You know, some employers now are not paying with a paycheck. They're giving their employees a cash card that's re reload reloaded uh, each, each time. We're moving in the direction that the Bible warns about. And you know what? We see another illustration of this very trend 
back in the 1990s, early 1990s, when you filed your income tax, they made a new regulation that if your child over the age of two did not have a Social Security number, and if you did not report that Social Security number, you could not get a tax credit or, or, a de, or the um, deduction for that child. And so through economic pressure, all of us are being lined up, of course, to get a Social Security number. Now, I'm not saying that's the mark of the beast. All I'm saying is it illustrates the direction the world is going just like prophecy predicts. And can you imagine the incredible pressure to conform that will be in those last days? Pressure to conform. Uh, those that were in Hitler's Germany, there was pressure to conform. Everybody had to line up with the, with, with the Third Reich. And this will create tremendous pressure to conform and be loyal to the new world order. And of course, uh, these prophecies couldn't be fulfilled in Hitler's day. You know, in Hitler's day, they thought, oh, this is the Antichrist. This is the, this is the Antichrist. Well, he wasn't the Antichrist. A, a, a lot of the prophecies we're talking about just weren't technologically available in his day. But they are available in our day. And so... What do we do with this information? The Bible warns of the Antichrist. The Bible warns of the mark of the beast. Well, I want to give you some good news. Many prophecy experts believe that there's good indication that Jesus Christ will come again and, and take the church out of this world before the Antichrist imposes such a, a mandate upon his people. And this is illustrated by this picture, this well-known picture that you see. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but I would love for Jesus to come today. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if He were to come, there'd be no more death, no more sorrow, no more heartache. But yeah, there are some people that aren't ready for Jesus to come again. And furthermore, even though there are good arguments that Jesus is coming again before the tribulation. A lot of other Bible uh, scholars say, no, uh, those arguments aren't necessarily the truth. And so, we need to be prepared no matter what happens. Uh, we would all rejoice if Jesus comes again before these days are fulfilled. But what if not? What if there was a mistake in understanding prophecy? Well, Paul talked in days of persecution were just around the corner. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29, I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as, as they that did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. Now what is Paul saying? I believe Paul is saying this. That in just like Jesus talked about in Luke 22. That if, if the day comes 
of where you find yourself in, in great crisis, uh, great persecution, then His advice comes into play. In times like that, it's not a time to be having children, which it, it could mean what, what He's talking about there. Even though you have wife, a wife, you don't live as though you do. You, you don't have children in times like, like that. Uh, you, you don't get tied to this, this world's goods. You don't misuse the, the world and, and let it steal your, your heart away. And so we have before us the Word of God that predicts what is going to take place. The economic future of our world is a world economy. The economic future of our world is an economic crisis that will lead to the rise of the Antichrist. And when the Antichrist comes, the economic future of our world are economic mandates like we have just described. But there's one other prediction about what's coming in terms of the economy, and that is the world economic system will be judged. The kingdom of Antichrist and this world economic system that he is going to put together to, to advance his political goals, it is all going to be judged. Revelation 18.2, that angel cried with a loud voice saying, Babylon is, is fall, the greatest fallen is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Desolation is coming to the kingdom of the Antichrist, as well as destruction. Her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. And in verses 9 and 10 there, if you look at it, from a far distance, they see the smoke ascending as God judges the major financial centers of the world, whether we're talking about Hong Kong or whether we're talking about New York or, or London. And furthermore, verse 17 warns, in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. All the business leaders who blindly followed the Antichrist and who were enriched as a reward for helping him set up that new world order, all of those riches are going to come to nothing just like that. Why is God going to judge the kingdom of Antichrist that is to come? Verse 5, Her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. God judges sin. Now, a lot of times it seems like that God doesn't judge sin. So many times people sin and sin and nations sin and sin and God does nothing. That's because God is patient and slow to anger. But the day is coming when He will judge the kingdom of Antichrist. And if He doesn't judge the kingdom of Antichrist, then he violates his character. He is a just God. And you know, if God does not judge America for the way we have turned from him, if God does not judge Western Europe for the way they have turned from God, if God does not judge the hatred and violence of, 
of the Islamic nations, if God does not judge the, the, uh, the uh, polytheism, the idolatry of the Hindu nations, he's going to have to apologize for his judgment upon the people of Noah's day and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. But the fact is, he is the God who judges. But I have good news. Your sins can be covered by the blood of Christ. Oh, listen, God will remember every sin that is not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you repent of your sins and look to Jesus as your Savior, instead of your sins reaching up to heaven, your sins will be covered and forgotten by the Lord. So what should we do? In light of these prophecies, in light of the fact that God judges sin, and that God will judge sin, a world that is putting its trust not in God, but in government. Not in Christ, but in the Antichrist. What are we to do? Well, don't be attached to something heading for judgment. The Bible says in 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Oh, listen, don't, don't, don't put your heart and life in this old world. It's heading to judgment. Put your heart and life in the hands of Jesus. Furthermore, Revelation 18.4 says, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. Two parts of that. Come out, separate, lest you share in her sins. You know what happens when you hang around sinful people, the wrong crowd? You become more like them. They rub off on you. As this world is heading increasingly toward evil, it is becoming more and more imperative that God's people separate from the ungodly of this world. Not completely because we must continue to evangelize, but yet in terms of fellowship, in terms of close friendship, come out of her lest you share in her sins. And if you share in her sins, you could receive of her plagues. Repent. Turn to Christ. Jesus is coming. The signs of the times are everywhere. Christ could even come today. Are you ready for His coming? You're not ready until you have repented and turned to Christ. Learn prophecy. Be prepared. The Bible warns that in the last days, there will be incredible deception. And the ones who will not be deceived are those that know their Bible, those that know prophecy. So learn prophecy. Be prepared. And don't worry. God protects His own. He'll either protect us by rapture or He'll protect us in, in uh, some other way. God always protects His own. You can count on that. Jesus is coming again. Every believer has a destiny not of destruction, but of heaven. And if you're not a believer this morning, today is the day when I want you to be saved. I want you to give your heart to Christ. Christ will see you through whatever comes. Christ will bring you to heaven as your ultimate destination if you'll believe in Christ as your Savior. Would you bow with me in prayer?
Heavenly Father, we thank You that You know the end from the beginning. Nothing takes You by surprise. And Lord, we're not setting dates and we're not setting timetables. We just want to know Your Word so that we can take prudent action starting with being saved. Lord, I pray that if anyone that hears this message is not saved, is not yet a believer, I pray that today they will be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, help us not be deceived in these last days. Lord, help us to have discernment and to take whatever prudent steps we should take as we move forward toward the fulfillment of these Bible prophecies. And I pray that you'll lead and guide in this time of invitation, and I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as Brian leads us in our hymn of response.